everybody, and welcome to Wildfire Tribe Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah, I am Kylie. And I am Sean. And Kylie always does that. I am Kylie. Sing-song Kylie. Well, I am a sing-songy kind of person. You are a sing-songy person. It is part of who I am, this mystical, musical, poetic artist creative. You are. And I'm not so much a singer, but thank you for listening to us anyway, even though I'm not going to sing. And even if I did, you'll be grateful that I don't. I've heard you sing and I think it's very nice. Now, we're down by the river again today in the town that we live in, and we're actually very close to a bunch of uh, children that are jumping in the water into the river in front of us and yelling and screaming at school holidays, and they're having a wonderful time. So if you hear people in the background, it's intentional for us to be here. We're not trying to block that out. We're just trying to inject a bit of joy into the air. Some of the language that we've heard since we're set up has been um, an alternative um, use of the English language. So hopefully you don't hear too many of those words that you certainly wouldn't use if you're a church attender. <laughs> I love it. We're, we're really enjoying the beauty and the bliss of the oneness that we have with nature and with all of creation that is spinning around us today as we look up at the sky, as we look over at the trees and down at the grass, as we have that beautiful awareness within ourselves that we are not separate from one another from those things that are made, the air that we breathe, that we share together and the beauty that is surrounding us. So that kind of leads me to what what are we going to talk about today, babe? It's got to be your idea, surely. Well, we have real conversations about mystical things, Kylie. So, you know, that includes God, of course, like he's the creator of all things. So he is the subject of our every moment, our every breath. And so there's a heading just below him, the God of the universe who created everything that we're going to speak about today. And I think I want to call it something like black and white and grey and colours too. Mm, I love it. So for me, that opens up a huge conversation which is about is everything just black and white or is there grey in between, is there shades of black and white, is there colours as well and what I mean by that is if you are a person who was raised believing in science, believing in the Bible, believing in either or and every discussion in between, is it okay to believe in the Bible and science or is it one or the other when they don't seem to mesh up in every case then what do you do with that information in your head in your spirit in your soul how do you process the fact that the Bible um, when calculated out over time adds up to be a certain amount of years yet we've had discoveries of dinosaurs etc on the earth that seem to tell us that life has been in existence for way longer than what the Bible would tell us. Mm. What do you do with that information? Do you choose science against the Bible? Can it be explained within the Bible as to why science doesn't always fit? Is science just a revealing of God upon the earth? Is science just topics, you know, physics, chemistry, biology, etc.? Uh, all these great discoveries that man is making as time goes by, 
are they merely just fractions of discovery of the God of the universe? Well, I feel like science and mysticism are not antagonistic, but rather they're created to be in this perfect harmony. Like they're reflecting the fullness of our operative powers that are held within the harmony and oneness that we share together in that place of understanding the facts about what surrounds us and then understanding the fullness of our connection as we learn to govern in the spiritual spaces of what that means for nature and all of this beautiful symphony of science that surrounds us. I think part of the reason why I like talking about the uh, shades of colours in between and the colours as well, Kylie, is that sometimes for me when I, uh, you know, and I have been listening to podcasts last night and earlier today and live streams and all of those sorts of things that I'm involved in listening and watching all around the world, and sometimes I feel like, you know, there's people around the world that just have such a depth of biblical knowledge that I get challenged by that. And then I start to process, hang on, like this guy seems to know so much about the Bible, the, in, the goings on in the Bible. And he can apply every life choice, everything that's happening within his life, your life, to a reference in the Bible. And I get really challenged by that because that's not my gifting I don't have the ability necessarily to be able to go oh okay well if you're experiencing this in your life or if we reference it back to James you know one one verse two it says this I'm more of an experiential type person that's walking out my existence with God in the knowing that every moment that I'm in him and he's in me and so I get I challenge myself I think in wondering whether it's okay to not have my experience or be able to be related to the bible because if it's if i have to relate every experience to the bible then i'm i'm lacking exactly and what about all the people that have this beautiful relationship with people and with nature but they don't actually have any knowledge of the bible at all and, I, and some of these people that we've met in our walk are beautifully operating out of the frequency of love. They're intrinsically woven into the oneness that is creator and creation, but yet they just haven't spent any time in the Bible. It's almost like they are the essence of the truth that we understand as we uncover some of those things that, oh, how does it line up in the Word? How does it line up in the Word? But you know what? The Bible is a very relatively new thing that has been able to be accessed by everyday people. This was not something that was common for everyday people to be able to access for hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years. So how did people survive without being able to reference the Bible all that time? Well, it's it's like for us, you know, it's kind of in, in Christian circles, it's kind of like I keep going back to, I sometimes I feel like I fall short in my biblical understanding sometimes, and then I start to question whether I need to do something about that. And it's like you're saying, the part of the Bible that a lot of focus is on these days is on the New Testament, probably more so than the Old Testament in some ways. And the New Testament, the people that appear within the books of the New Testament didn't have the New Testament to reference from when they were living their lives. So true. I'm not saying they didn't have the Old Testament, but Saul, who became Paul, who had his his encounter, 
and was blinded, definitely was aware of the Old Testament scriptures and that's how he was living his life out, a very strict religious existence of applying the law, the law from the scriptural point of view of the things that we have to have right, the the boxes that we have to tick to have some opportunity to be in God's favour. He didn't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John and all of the books of course that he wrote as well to reference his life on. So he wasn't like I sometimes, you know, feel like I need to have New Testament references to refer my life to. He didn't have any of that. He wasn't going, oh, hang on, I just got shipwrecked. I just got bitten by a snake. Now, if I, where's the reference for what's going to happen to me? Where can I find that? It comes back to that place where it's not black and white. Like it, there is actually this place in the middle that is filled with shades and colours that is called experience. It's called activating my relational walk with God into the mysteries. It's that place where we experience the natural elements around us in the way that we interact with nature, that we're interacting with the world, the waters, the birds, the frequencies, the, you know, as we experience God, we're activating the fullness of, and this was a beautiful one of those things that I, I, I was thinking about when I was pondering this topic, was that intertwining of the mystical and science, the intertwining of like the physical and the spiritual nature and the mystical was the fruits of the spirit where it so perfectly weaves together the, the naturalness of fruit and then the mysticalness of spirit where where like this beautiful expression of the harmony of science and creation as we're one with our creator we are the created ones created to co-create with him in this beautiful colorful diverse space of being activated in whatever our work, walk looks like and that activation place means that Our walk is no longer based on the knowledge of God, but it's based on a relationship with him. Yeah, Kylie, I love God. And I didn't, my first experience of him was from Bible stories at church. But I honestly felt like as I was growing up hearing the stories of Moses and Noah and Jonah and all of those, even what is strange now to me to call stories, I actually thought they were stories. So then, you know, fast forward 15, 20, 30 years when God revealed himself to me in the Saul slash Paul encounter that I had with him one-on-one with no Bibles, not in a church. My revelation of who God was to me and is to me became very personal. And then it didn't come out of a book. And so from that time forward, being from 2011 until now, I've walked out my existence with him completely and then looked to add scripture references and other historical references to my life to help me understand my relationship with him better. I've, I've kind of done it back to front. And the reason why, you know, the reason why we present things the way that we do conversationally is that This is not me telling anybody in particular that this is how it has to be. No. That your relationship with God needs to be back to front to the way that it is for other people. Other people have God revealed to them by reading the Bible. Other people have... 
God reveal himself to them. In a nightclub. <laughs> in a nightclub, exactly. We, we know people that that has happened to where Jesus has appeared in front of them out of nowhere in a nightclub yeah. and changed their life from that moment forward. Exactly. He, so there's plenty of grey there and colour. There is so much grey and colour. the black and the white that yeah. sometimes we feel like we have to adhere to or abide by. Because once again, it comes back to that place of right or wrong. It comes back to that place of it, if it's not my way, it's the highway. Like if it's not... if Life is a highway, Kylie. Life is a highway. <laughs> Keep going. Oh, I love it. Well, I was thinking about this, like when you're talking about where it all began and, you know, when we came back from that experiential kind of first dive into your relationship with God when he revealed himself to you, I find it interesting that then we came home, you were immersed in a year of Bible college where you're learning the theology and the knowledge of God and you're, you know, you're learning to serve and you're learning to walk in community. as in move chairs around all year. Yes, you were the pastor of chairs. (laughs) And mowing lawns and moving furniture. Yeah, exactly. But after that, his voice was speaking to us to, to go into the wilderness like to go okay now I'm taking you on this journey and I felt like when he asked us in 2013 to go to the middle of Australia and we followed that we were immersed in the natural surroundings of a place in Australia that was wildly spiritual and I feel like this is a beautiful picture of walking into spaces where people have walked with God for thousands of years without the Bible. So it's only in recent years, like in the last hundred years, that the that our Bible as we know it has been translated into many of the Aboriginal languages of Australia. And this is probably a story across the world too, that lots of the Um, Aboriginal languages of each nation are being now, the Bible is being translated into those languages. But before that... You can even have audible Bibles now, like speaking to you in other parts of the world that are solar powered. Yeah, you can. It's incredible. Like it really is incredible. And... And I know with uh, like our, our son, he uh, travelled and did missions across the world for four and a half years and they distributed the Bible in a lot of places on like USB in different, in those languages for those different nations, which was like really amazing that that, that is able to happen. But I feel like what I felt like he was revealing to us in our journey into the centre of Australia, like when we lived in Alice Springs and, and you travelled and did tour guiding at Uluru, was that the land came alive and began to speak to us in the invisible realms. Like I was interacting with the governance in that space. I was talking to the wind, engaging with the angels, releasing and interacting with the fullness of the Godhead within me and also within the wildness of creation. And I think it was just another one of those levels of him moving us into a space where we were understanding he so deeply desired 
a an experiential relational walk with us that was far transcended our knowledge-based understanding of him or even deeper than that it, it transcends space and time like it takes us into another realm of understanding what it is to walk with God and it's interesting too when you speak of being a tour guide at Uluru etc to be able to do that you need to do a little bit of study you need to learn the stories about Uluru you need to learn about the uh, a, a little skerrick of white and black history as well, uh, white people and, and Aboriginal people history. You need to learn a little bit about a lot of stuff to be a tour guide. And during all of that training, I was taught about how long it is that we believed that man has existed in Australia, man being the Aboriginal people, being the uh, original people here. And there is and understanding that they've been here for 60,000 years plus. Now, when you try and fit that into the theology that you learn when you go to Bible college or you study the Bible, it's, uh, it, it, that's, this is where it, this question arises for me about the uh, black and white, grey and colours in between too. How does, it all, how does it all fit together with your theology when you believe scientifically that people have existed in this country for 60,000 plus years yet the Old Testament plus the bit you know the 400 odd years in between the old and the new and the 2,000 odd years since don't seem to add up to be to cover even that. Mm, It's true. So as I was guiding and telling people about the creation stories of Central Australia about the formation of Uluru and Katajuda and how they were believed to be formed scientifically and across time, you know, across history and, and the dates that we believe to be true. It wasn't meshing with my understanding of a newly, a newly produced Bible college, neatly packaged up little person that got that come out the other end. It really messed with me trying to share with the tourists that I was taking on tour how the whole world worked. And it was so... Like, you know, when we look back on it now, we can see that it was such an important part of our undoing because in the paradigms of understanding of, like, you know, that we've got an answer for people. (laughs) Yeah, you have to have an answer for everything. The black and the white. That we actually had a lot of answers, didn't we, when we went to Central Australia about how we could help people. And I think every single one of those we either discovered was already being outworked to varying degrees of success or was just, you know, simply to the point where he stripped us down to being completely invisible. And out of that place, we began to see what was important to him. Okay, what do you mean by that? Like he stripped us down to being completely invisible can mean a whole lot of things. What what do you mean? Well, the practicalities of that was after we'd been there for a year and we started really, we could see everything was starting to shut down for us. Our opportunities were closing and we were really... Where in the Bible does it tell you that God's going to make you invisible? Oh, well, Jesus moved through the crowd. Now, if you can't explain your story that you're about to explain, <laughs> Kylie, about being you know, asked by God to do certain things and therefore prove that you can be invisible, if you can't back it up with a reference to the Bible, how can anybody believe that it's true? Mm, exactly. Well, they, we, can, we can speak out of the place of experience and experience is actually an authority in its own space. Okay, then. So how did God show you and I 
what it felt like to be invisible. Well, he asked us to go and sit in the park in the centre of town and this just started on one day and that turned into almost six weeks. Did he ask you in advance to go and sit in the park for six weeks? No, he just kept on asking us every day so and it turned into six weeks. So therefore every single day you're hearing him say, mm-hmm. go back to the park again today. Yep. So it's not like you ha- you're hearing once and then you do something for six weeks on all occasions, mm. but sometimes you might. Sometimes you might feel like he's saying to you, go and sit in the park for six weeks. Yep. Because... It's not black and white. That's right. There's shades of grey and colours as well. And during that time, he, you know, we went through all kinds of different emotions and feelings of worthlessness and what are we here for? What do you, why, why are you not using us, God? Like, you're the one that's told us to be here. Why won't you let us pray for people? What is... This doesn't feel like ministry, sitting in the park, being ignored by everybody. Exactly. Can't you have us pray for someone? And we really got to the stage where we became invisible. People no longer saw that we were even there. And I think it gave us, one, it gave us a heart for the unseen people. It, like, And it also gave us an ability to see people that people don't normally see but not only that we started to see in the realms of the kingdom like we had never seen before we could see right into the hearts of people on another dimension like we'd already been you know functioning in that way where you can give words of knowledge or you can see prophecies and you know be able to be activated in that kind of five-fold ministry style stuff we'd you know done a lot of different things in churches and everything like that and I had especially for a long time and Sean had had that very saturated year where you know you're doing different kinds of ministry and stuff like that walking with people and being able to see in the spirit and stuff but this was another dimension of that this was this place of of rawness where we were just being really broken down in our value what why we valued what we did what we valued about what we had to offer and right down to that place where we really just felt in the end and we were having this remember that con- remember that conversation we had with that aboriginal guy who was we were just sitting with him and he was just hanging out with some mates and they were and we were still very much in that thinking of we need to evangelize oh, def- you know, um, the great commission yeah well we were feeling that yeah there was works to be done yeah definitely. we're not just going to sit in a park for six weeks for nothing like something there's going to be a result somebody's going to get saved somebody's going to confess their sins to us somebody's life is going to get changed because we're sitting there well we were in the undoing stage like we were already listening to these radical new teachings and everything like that and we were trying to fit them into our current understanding of what ministry was that's right so when we see somebody that looks like their life is a mess then we're looking at them through the the eyes of a bible college student who needs to tell them about jesus so they can feel and look better Exactly. And we're, we're kind of, there's, we're, we're vibing with that, that that's not the way, but we don't know the new way yet. We're not fully knowing how do we... Because we've how, learnt the black and exactly, the white. And exactly. we haven't experienced the grey and the colours as well. Exactly. At that stage. And it's very, it's a very experiential walk when we're letting go of everything that we knew to be So back to that story that you were introducing, Kylie, about the person in the park 
who didn't look like his life was together. Yeah. And us sneaking up on him to introduce him to Jesus, what happened? Well, we were just chatting about life and everything. And then you just said to him, you know, do you know Jesus? And he went, oh, yeah, Jesus. Yeah, gosh. Oh, my life would be in ruins if I didn't know Jesus. Jesus is, he's my friend. Like, yeah, man. Like, and we just sat there absolutely flabbergasted. But hang on a second. In all of the churches we'd been attending at that time, those nice, clean, crisp, happy Pentecostal, bouncy music, vibrant atmospheres, people didn't look like that in there. No. Those guys looked like they had it together. Mm. And I'd have to say that that guy in the park didn't look anything like he had his life together in the way that I thought our lives were supposed to be together. No. How is it possible that he knows Jesus? Exactly. He hasn't been transformed, has he? In that place... I began to see a person who had a light in their eyes. I could see a person that was just living in a place of not striving, not trying to be what everybody thought he should be, but he was immersed in his now. He his was creative. in his moment. He's an artist. Yeah, he was an artist. Happy to sleep on the grass in yeah. the park at night time yeah. or, or in not, a house. Or in a house or whatever it happened to be. He was living outside of the black and white guidelines. Exactly. And I feel like we had this moment of like, whoa, what are we doing? And it was like that next week or so after that encounter with that young guy that we really began to just be messed with. Our whole mindset, our our soul man was just going, "Ah, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And I think that was the very thing that that it was the beginning of getting the do out of us and bringing us into the be. It was just being who we are. Like it's being love and being light and being the essence and the frequency of the nature of God. It's like Do you feel full? Do you feel at peace? Are you happy? Are you emotionally charged? Do you rely on worship music or other people around you of the same Christian beliefs and doctrines for you to be okay in your existence? Or are you okay with who you are in a park in the middle of Australia, sitting there being walked past by every single person, including the pastors at the church that are preaching on evangelism on Sundays and ignoring you on Monday? How does that make you feel? How do you, do you still believe that your identity is in God and that and that it's in him because he's proven to you that mm. he will never leave you, that he will never forsake you? Or have you just read that in a book or sat in a church teaching where the preacher has told you that and you just go off that? I get a little bit not fired up. I get, I don't know what the word, the best word to describe is, I get charged by the realization that my existence in the last 10 plus years has been that walking out my existence with God almost solitarily with you as well. Thank God for Kylie. And what he has shown me in that time, he has shown me the Bible verses that other people have read. He's shown me the Bible verses that I've committed to memory. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. I used to focus on that verse a lot. I used to think that the trials that I'm in, I would just say, oh, well, Sean, remember that Bible verse? Consider it pure joy. 
when you face trials of many kinds, but I would sit in the beginning of that verse as if I just needed to be okay and happy with my trials without stepping into the victory of the rest of the verse and the rest of the Bible, which tells me that I'm saved, set free, have a life of abundance, etc. And the only way that I have found that out to be true is by my experiential existence walking side by side with God, with no separation. It does not come for me just out of reading the Bible or any other book. Talking about books, Eckhart Tolle, he um, has written a book called A New Earth, Awakening to Your Life's Purpose, and, and there's a quote in there that fits nicely. Give up defining yourself to yourself or to others. You won't die, you will come to life. And don't be concerned with how others define you. When they define you, they are limiting themselves, so it's their problem. Whenever you interact with people, don't be there primarily as a function or a role, but as the field of conscious presence. You can only lose something that you have, but you cannot lose something that you are. Yeah, and who you are is you're not the trial. You're not the person that's needing to have the joy in the trial. Who you are is the person on the other side that is mature and complete and not lacking anything, not lacking anything at all as in you are present in the now. External circumstances have very little to no effect on you whatsoever. And there's only one way that I'm aware of that you can come to that realisation And that is to sit in it and have it actually happen. You can read about it all you like. You can memorize the Bible verse as I did. Consider it pure joy. Blah, 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 blah. Which I, like I said before, I I never used to even go to the rest of the verse, which is about being on the other side of that. And now, now what that means to me is that if there is ever a trial that presents itself, I'm celebrating in advance the victory that's to come, which is the other side of it. Mm, it's so true. Like I feel like that victory too, It so often it's come for us in those places of just simply letting go. There is this power in letting go. There's this freedom in letting go when all of a sudden you come to that place where you go, well, maybe it's just that I have to let go of my understanding of how this worked and embrace a new way of seeing, like embrace a new perspective. Like what are you, what are you trying to show me here, God? Oh, I... I I don't have space for anything he wants to show me because I'm so full of an old paradigm, but I need to let go of that so that space can be made for the new, for what he wants to bring to me next, for the new revelation of his goodness and wonder in my life and who I really am. Do you need to go to church, Kylie? Well, my experience is that you don't need to, but that is not Are saying that it's okay bad. Are you okay with people going to church? Absolutely, because the, there have Can been... Can some people get through life and live a life of abundance without going to church? Absolutely, and I think that that's the thing, is that once again it comes down to that place of no separation. So while some of us are on this journey where we're not necessarily connected into one gathering place all the time, but we share our lives with 
a diversity of people doing all kinds of different things. Other people, they find such comfort in that place of like building strong, long-term bonds with people. And there's a real beauty in that too, as long as there is freedom. So that's a part of the reason, a part of the discussion that falls within the name that we've given to this podcast today, the black and the white and the shades of grey and the colours as well, is that it's very much concerning for me when I am on these podcasts, YouTubes, those sorts of things in church environments, Christian teachers, when I get that undercurrent of you need to be in community, you need to get yourself and support your local church, etc. I'm not against that thinking, but that has not been my existence. And do I think that if I had walked out all of my last 10 plus years in a church environment, that it would have been better for me or quicker to get to the point that I'm at or any of those things. I can't even make a judgment call on that because that's not my experience. But my experience has brought me from point A to point B and I'm completely and thoroughly okay with the path that God has taken me on. I'm okay with that. So can other people just be okay with that? And can I be okay with you wanting to be in a community or being in a community? Because the reality too, Kylie, is that for us, believing that there is shades of grey and colour as well, is that there is a chance that sometime in the future that we will be a part of a bigger, stronger, more physical community as well. It's not something we're setting out to do necessarily right now, but I just think that there's times and seasons. and. Yep. We can't rule in or out any of those things for us. And likewise, it's not for us to be deciding for other people the best environment that they need to walk out their lives with God in. I completely agree. And I feel like it comes down to that overlapping place. It's that space where it's just filled with love. It's it's like, you know, love. once upon a time. <laughs> All you need is love. I know. It's, it's sadly lacking. Definitely. And it definitely is in the narrative of the end times. End times narrative does not have much love. And if there's no fear, love, fear, fear. the very essence of God is love. His nature is love. His frequency perfect is love. love. He is perfect love. And perfect love casts out all fear. So therefore, if I am immersed into an experience or into a place where there is a fear-based narrative that's trying to get me to believe in a God because I'm afraid for my life and where I might end up with if, in, you know, when I die or any of that stuff. Or where you might end up, like where your spiritual walk might take you if you're not in community. Exactly. You might get led astray. Exactly. And I know that was definitely people feared for us when we were following the voice of God into the great wilderness, you know, like... Hopefully our microphones pick up what's happening just above us now. We've got a... I don't know what it's called. It's not a. It's an ultralight, I think. Yeah, it's like a hang glider with an engine. With an engine underneath it, going straight over that the top so of us. That is so cool. That would be a pretty wild experience. I reckon the ultimate Freedom. experience, though, would be those wingsuits. That would be the biggest buzz because you would just be flying through the air, no engine noise or anything like that. It would well, be. Well, I've flown in my dreams, and I've flown in heavenly places in ascension. Mm, so and have for I. Me, 
that's enough, Kylie. I don't, oh. I don't need to strap on a wingsuit and jump out of an aeroplane or off a cliff. I completely agree because I have felt the physical experience of that spiritual flight and I have woken many nights and many mornings feeling like I have actually flown. That must be when you're like punching me in the face in the middle of the night and groaning. <laughs> I don't know that that's ever happened. It happens. It certainly does. <laughs> that's hilarious. Back to like that overlapping place. There was a, t- a point in time where there was this separateness, and and this is spo- this is spoken about in the Bible, where God was up there in heaven and man is down here on earth. And the overlapping place at that time was this place called the Garden of Eden. And that place was a place where man can walk with God. And then when sin came into the equation, which was really just losing our identity. So it was man forgetting who they were and becoming separate from God. And in that place, then we had this whole age where the the place where you could meet with God was in the tabernacle. So we see the experience where the overlapping of heaven and earth was in the tabernacle or the temple where you know, they, they would come into that place where, or the priest in earlier times, the priest was the one that would go in and meet with God. And then it was like there was this place of mediation all the time where man wasn't actually allowed to have this relationship where we could go to the mountaintops ourselves and engage with this wonderful God that was that was ours to walk with. But now we have that unhindered access. We have that no separate place. And that dwelling place now, that that lap that overlapping place, that conduit between heaven and earth is us. We are that place where we are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. We are the place within which all creation dwells. And now we have this this place where we still live in this separate mindset, but it actually doesn't exist. So in amongst all that, Kylie, how open are you to conversation in those things that it sounds like you were just teaching me? Oh, yeah, let's be open because to conversation. Because that is what we're talking about, is the grey in between, the exactly. black and white and the colour as well. Yeah. So when you talk about sin entering the world in the Garden of Eden, etc., mm. I was just, as you were talking about that, then I have all of these questions in my mind that are in between the black and the white you know i love it so you know in the beginning god created the world blah 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 you memorize them off off by heart you can speak them out loud they're your everything that's your belief that's where you stand but what about the question of if sin was allowed to enter the world in the way that we believe that it did didn't god allow that to happen or even create that opportunity or even create for that to happen because if he's the god that we say that he is doesn't he know everything in advance that's going to happen and if he allowed that created that moment to happen didn't he want that to happen i'm not saying i'm needing answers from you i'm just throwing in the gray and the color and i guess i guess for me it comes back to that place where i am still in in the unpacking of our authority on the earth Yeah, but if you're not able to just be okay with still unpacking it and you are right, you are black or you are white and this is how it happens and there is Mm. only this, 
there's only 1,500 years of the Old Testament, then there's 435 or 465, I forget how many years, in the intertestamental period. So let's just round that up to 500. There's 2,000 years plus 2,023 years since Jesus died. That's only like 4,000 odd years. Mm. Now, if you are black and white, that is the beginning and the end, there's no argument, there's no discussion to be entered into, then how likely is it that I'm going to be able to do life alongside you in a friendly manner when you're not subject to the shades of grey and colours? That's right. I know it makes it difficult and I think that's the beauty of what he's been revealing to us as we experience walking with him as well like in this immersive relational walk where it's just like oh my goodness, you go into multi-dimensional realms of the kingdom where you're able to access revelation that you could not see when you were in this space of only seeing things through one lens. So everything that I'm involved in within some, you know, some of the groups that I run on Zoom, etc., I have this, and it's not something that I talk about every time, but I do, for me, have this underlying realisation and desire to enter into conversation with love, with everybody that's participating, have love flowing completely throughout the entire conversation, allowing for shades of grey and colour to enter in between, and a commitment to exiting the entire conversation in love as well so that when everything is saturated in love, it doesn't cause any separation between me and another person, so long as there's love flowing both ways. Absolutely. So is love the grey and the colour? Mm, that's an interesting thought. It could well I don't be. have to be right. In I fact, just... I think sometimes I, I'm probably way too flexible about okay with being wrong. I think sometimes I feel challenged on that front even. I feel like sometimes people are like, Sean, you've got a microphone, you get to talk in front of people, you get to lead different discussions, etc. You're not actually telling us what you actually believe. And then I come back to the point in my quiet time, which is time apart from the busyness of everything else, where I just feel like I'm okay with that. I just have to be okay with God's just my rock. I'm firmly attached to him. He has never let me go. I have never let him go. I've certainly slid down to the front of the rock and been hanging on by my fingernails, blowing off the side, feeling like I'm going to let go. But I don't feel like that's been him trying to get rid of me. That's more like, God, how could you do this to me? And so that's really the only, that's the foundation that I have. Everything else, really, I'm open to discussion. And that's the beauty of embracing your unique walk is that we bring an element into the space of talking about spiritual things and walking the mystical journey and being in church or not being in church or whatever it happens to be, whatever, wherever your walk with God takes you, that our voice is to empower people's uniqueness in that space. One of the things I don't like, Kylie, is how Christianity speaks of new age. Can we just go there for a minute? Mm, like it's a reason, new age. No, not no. You know how uh, we have labels for things within Christianity, and 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 I guess our label is that we're Christian people. Uh, so if you want to put a label on us, that's what we are. But Christ, Christianity doesn't like new age. You quite often hear people go, "Oh, they're new ages. Those guys like stay away from them. Yeah, they're I see really what you mean. into." Uh, new age stuff like new age practices, new age 
understanding around crystals and burning sage or whatever it is, you know, even yoga and meditation and breath works and all those sorts of discussions have been dangerous new age places for us to go as Christians, as people that attend church and put that label on ourselves. Yet I am completely grey and coloured in my outlook upon that label as well because I think Christianity's allowed some of our toys to be taken by others who are using them and now we're pretending like we don't like those toys that other people are using and we want them back but we're going to try and get them back by telling them that their their toys they're playing with are bad toys. I know it's crazy and we've put a ceiling on ourselves in that space because we've actually given away this incredible mystical tools that have been given to us by God to be able to come into the fullness. That's right. Aren't they just rocks? Didn't God make the world? Yeah, that's right. Including the rocks? And they are far more than rocks. They're like actually, they carry life and frequency. Like it's scientifically proven. It's scientifically proven. And well, I just feel like there has been an an agenda in, in a lot of the teachings within church for many many years that has actually that the bottom line of it is control you've got to be careful Kylie don't go worshipping rocks and making them your idol yeah that's right (laughs) yeah don't I mean don't even get me started I don't like well that's what this discussion is Kylie it's it's not just black and white it is the grey and the colours like can we fit some of these crystal beliefs, the, these understandings that we have a, around them, uh, some of those things that we feel like in our church experience are dangerous to talk about? Can we not try and reintegrate them into our faith walk with God? Absolutely. Or is it just black and white? You can't go there. That's dangerous. I feel like that you go where he's leading you to go. And How do you know he where he's us. leading you to go? Because you're just, you, something is sparked inside of you, an interest in a certain area. And you are in him. He is in you. He leads us on the paths of righteousness. Like we are following him into places we have no fear because we walk in love with him. I have unconsciously made people in my life gods since I've come to this faith belief in God I have unintentionally and without processing the thought held people up to be leaders in my faith field who I've looked up to been mentored by not necessarily even told them that that's the case and then when they're not in my presence anymore I'm not in their circle I'm not receiving instruction from them or direction they're not steering my ship anymore because I'm no longer in their vicinity then I flounder trying to find and remind myself of the God that I was supposed to be walking out my faith with the whole time and that's like the perfect example of the old mediator model where there's a more godly person that stands between us and God that is blasting us with the name of Jesus or is mediating in the situation where we're expecting that they're going to bring us the divine breakthrough revelation that we need for our It'd life. It'd be easier, Kylie, if we could just go to church on a, you know once a week or once a month even or even just a Bible study or something like that where we could get some revelation from someone else that they've got and just memorize it and maybe apply it to our life and just go around and give people that wisdom, you know, the stuff that you learnt, that you heard, than actually 
walking it out. Yeah, definitely. And that's and some people can really do that well because they have this amazing ability to remember everything they've ever read. And so it would be difficult in that case. I feel like it comes back to that separateness again. We actually have unhindered access to everything. But there's like this place of walking through the healing of our emotional plane that brings us into this place of physical wellness, I guess, so that we can see ourselves as whole and one with God not separate like and and whilst ever there's those areas of ourself that we don't feel match up or that don't match up because we're you know elements of ourselves we feel like they're separate because that that part of us hurts that part doesn't function properly I'm wounded in that space and that's where these different modalities like you were talking about new age before that if we're, if we're finding that on the whole, the Christian community is filled with super spiritual people with a lot of knowledge about the Bible, but they're all dying of cancer or they're all, um, you know, they have ailments and all this physical sickness and emotional issues and they're dealing with affairs and, you know, they don't know how to keep their relationships healthy and in check, then is there a disconnect there somewhere? Is there a modality that we can implement that is from outside of the typical ways of, of Christian healing that we have known to understand that actually empowers us in higher levels of frequency and operation as sons of God that, that we are just completely ignoring because at the moment they're used by something that we would relegate to not godly. Yeah, I think it's time for us to accept, and I'm talking about us as in you and I, Kylie, because I really don't, I don't necessarily feel like my place in life is to influence other people apart from influencing, if possible, other people to have a relationship personally with God. But I think it's time for us as a couple to realise, and I suspect we've already realised this, by the way, that there are more than just the formulas of education church politics like i think everything is has different shades and colors to be discussed as well there's not necessarily just a right and a wrong way to conduct your life and your business there's not right and wrong thinking it's all open for discussion yeah i agree i've stopped trying to be the answer for homeless people i love it yep so probably 10 or so years ago, I would love to have been able to help somebody that's, that doesn't have a home, that drinks a lot of wine or takes drugs and lives on the street or lives on a mattress or a piece of cardboard somewhere. I would have seen it as almost my mission in life or part of my mission to do the Christian thing is to rescue those people from that situation. I no longer find myself feeling like that often and I'm not saying that I just walk past people in the street that require assistance at all that's certainly not the case but I think that even when it comes to trying to save the entire world and get them out of poverty sometimes there's shades in between the black and the white as well where people have chosen to be there. Well, I definitely feel like that, you know, and we have recognised this in many, many of those people that we've tried to help over the years in that place where they're so deeply identified in their sickness or they're in their situation that it's very, very hard to come into a place of healing when they actually don't want to let go of 
the pain that has identified them for so long. So the answer for, for rescuing those people has just changed for me, Kylie. It's not that I don't see them or I don't want to have anything to do with them, that I don't love them, that I don't love that God created them and has something for their life that might be different to what they're living. But the new way for me to help people in a lot of places is just to be in their vicinity, to say hello, exactly. to talk to them without yeah. some desire to get them into a house, exactly. to With buy them groceries, to give them money that's not spent on alcohol. My way of helping has changed since I've considered that there's not just black and white responses to everything. Exactly. And it's once again, it comes to that place where we're not going into every situation feeling like we need to change somebody. Because the essence of the nature of God is to just love you where you are. And out of that place of being loved and seeing the person that you actually really are, then as individuals, we can choose to step into the fullness of that person or not. But the essence of it is that we just love one another wherever we are along that journey. And it's that love that empowers people. It's that love that allows people to feel seen. And it's not to say that my $20 here or my $50 there or my kind words or that positioning that person to be able to get some respite accommodation or something like that um, it isn't great and necessary and good but at the very foundation of it is that that person until they can see the person they truly are that loved person that person that is healed and whole it's very difficult for that person to step into being changed or wanting to change or even realizing that there is ever going to be anything better for them and perhaps that person is not ever going to experience that, but they can experience love right where they are if we choose to come into their environment and just be love. Yeah, without the agenda of trying to make them fit into the box that we deem to be the right way for them to live. Exactly. Yeah, it's so true. Like if we can all be equipped to be like Jesus, to do the things that he did in the same way that he did them, then we would be able to go and do these greater works that he promised that we would do. But it's out of that place of like, whilst ever we see ourselves as separate from God, in this place of brokenness and, you know, pain, that that is preventing us from walking as sons, from being in the fullness of what we were created to walk in. I'll, I'll just read this quick quote from um, Mike Parsons. He writes in his blog, Freedom Ark, uh, when we are in the heart of God, we can choose our reality. We like to have a formula, but if a formula always worked, then we would not need a relationship. I yeah. cannot assume that because I did something in a particular way one day, then I should do the same, the same way the next. God has not said it up that way because he only works through relationship. He is one God in three persons and relationship is at the core of his nature. So my mandate for the day is not a list of things that I should do or not do. I'm seated with him in heaven, knowing his heart. And throughout the day, I am continually connected to his heart. So I can always be where I need to be and do what I need to do, flowing in relationship with him. Wow, I feel like that has really just summed up everything that we've been trying to say that that's just perfectly said it's it's also my experience 
from living in unity with God for all of these last 10 plus years, I guess it's like for me, it's since 2011, that God does absolutely desire relationship with me. And I'm assuming that if he desires relationship with me, he desires that with every single person that's on the planet or elsewhere. And maybe the trees and all the spirit beings and the angels and everything in between as well. Yeah. And so it's another reason for me to get my head around that formulas don't work forever. That the way to help people doesn't stay the same because it worked at some stage because God's desiring to give us answers through relationship with him that we can only get if we have relationship with him which is what he desires exactly and i think you know we in our um very education based like five step ten step seven step three step guide to success we often want to just take what somebody else has experienced and apply it to our life and get the same results and it is just so different we're embracing our own unique walks and and I'm not saying that that doesn't work in this dimensional reality a lot of those things work like in a principle-based reality where we're applying the principles of God to our life we're giving we're sowing we're reaping we're we're extending kindness we're serving we're doing all of those things it is a wheel and things do come back to us it is that kind of calmer I guess that you know when you do those things these things come back it's that law of attraction it's those energies and everything but there is higher dimensional realities well, that's a formula on that its we own. can function it's a success in. and success is a definition that we've given it to exactly be. if we do this plus this plus this throughout our entire life we can expect most likely that this outcome will be like this and that we will live to be nearly a hundred and that we'll be able to pass on this rough amount dollar wise of inheritance to our children yeah you know there's these these ways that we can choose to live that in a formula most of the time work or there is mm. the radical belief and the radical love for a god that created us radically believing that he wants to have relationship with us every millisecond of every day that somehow is not a formula because you just don't know what's going to happen yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> I just had this th this revelation when I was like, like writing. I am, am a writer. I do have a book called The New Now. If you haven't got it, it will change your life. <laughs> just with unique stories that encourage you to walk into your own unique stories. This, this little thing that came to me um, earlier, we are a harbinger of heavenly intimacy. We have seen the lamb beyond the veil and we are accepting the invitation into the eternal dance where we experience the character and nature of God himself as it continually flows through us to water the earth. just want to thank everybody that continues to listen to our podcast and continues to visit our website, wildfiretribe.life, and, and continues to interact with us. Also, we want to thank our patrons that support us on Patreon. If you want to join our Patreon community, we would love that so much. It's a way of contributing towards the existence of creative type people who don't have regular incomes, I guess, is the story. Continue to listen for free for as long as you want, but if you want to contribute, that's how you would do it. There's also 
our creative projects that are out there that are also can be purchased, which is your book, The New Now, obviously, yep. available through our website. Uh, there is the fact that we actually produce music. We produce artwork as well. Continue to listen and continue to contribute however you like. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says, Now may the God of peace and harmony set you apart, making you completely holy, and may your entire being, spirit, soul, and body be kept completely flawless in the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Anointed One, the one who calls you by name, is trustworthy, and will thoroughly complete his work in you. We just thank you so much for listening to us today. We thank you for being part of our Wildfire Tribe family. We will continue to produce this podcast and continue to hopefully help encourage you into your own personal relationship and walk through this life with God. That's our intention. And we look forward to having you interact with us in the future via social media, etc. Thank you yet again. Thank you for everybody that listens and contributes. And please like, share and comment on our things that we post online. Uh, that really helps us to be visible to other people as well. We're already being listened to in 26 countries around the world, which is mind-boggling. Oh, we had two more this week. Two more. Italy and the Czech Republic. Wow. So thank you so much for sharing it uh, for other people to also join in listening. We we love doing this. We love having people listen. And we it's a really interesting platform for us to use to reach the world and not get any feedback to just imagine where this is being listened to we just don't know but we love doing it and we are just hoping that you are enjoying the content too yeah absolutely guys we love you have an amazing week and we will talk to you again next time bye